This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. John Cena speared. John Cena, while you, you lay there, hopefully as uncomfortable as you possibly can be, I want you to listen to me. I want you to digest this, because before I leave in three weeks with your WWE Championship, I have a lot of things I want to get off my chest. I don't hate you, John. I don't even dislike you. I do like you. I like you a hell of a lot more than I like most people in the back. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. I'm the best in the world. There's one thing you're better at than I am. And that's kissing Vince McMahon's ass. You're as good as kissing Vince's ass as Hulk Hogan was. I don't know if you're as good as Dwayne, though. He's a pretty good ass kisser. Always was and still is. Oops, I'm breaking the fourth wall. I am the best wrestler in the world. I've been the best ever since day one when I walked into this company and I've been vilified and hated since that day because Paul Heyman saw something in me that nobody else wanted to admit. That's right, I'm a Paul Heyman guy. You know who else was a Paul Heyman guy? Brock Lesnar. And he split, just like I'm splitting, but the biggest difference between me and Brock is I'm going to leave with the WWE Championship. I've grabbed so many of Vincent K. McMahon's imaginary brass rings that it's finally dawned on me that they're just that. They're completely imaginary. The only thing that's real is me and the fact that day in and day out for almost six years I have proved to everybody in the world that I am the best on this microphone, in that ring, even at commentary. Nobody can touch me. And yet, no, how many, no matter how many times I prove it, I'm not on your lovely little collector cups. I'm not on the cover of the program. I'm barely promoted. I don't get to be in movies. I'm certainly not on any crappy show on the USA Network. I'm not on the poster of WrestleMania. I'm not in the signature that's produced at the start of the show. I'm not on Conan O'Brien, I'm not on Jimmy Fallon, but the fact of the matter is I should be, and trust me, this isn't sour grapes, but the fact that Dwayne is in the main event of WrestleMania next year and I'm not makes me sick. Oh, hey, let, let me get something straight. Those of you who are cheering me right now, you are just the biggest part of me leaving as anything else. Because you're the ones that are sipping out of those collector cups right now. 
You're the ones that buy those programs that my face isn't on the cover of. And then at five in the morning at the airport, you try to shove it in my face so you can get an autograph and try to sell it on eBay because you're too lazy to go get a real job. I'm leaving with the WWE Championship on July 17th. And who knows, maybe I'll go defend it in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Maybe I'll go back to Ring of Honor. Hey, Colt Cabana, how you doing? The reason I'm leaving is you people, because after I'm gone, you're still going to pour money into this company. I'm just a spoke on the wheel. The wheel's going to keep turning, and I understand that. But Vince McMahon's going to make money despite himself. He's a millionaire who should be a billionaire. You know why he's not a billionaire? It's because he surrounds himself with glad-handing nonsensical yes men like John Laurinaitis who's going to tell him everything that he wants to hear and I'd like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead but the fact is it's it's going to get taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of his stupid family let me tell you a personal story about Vince McMahon all right do we do this whole bully camp Hello and welcome to Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling. It's all part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. I'm your host, Andrew Rich. This is episode 111, and it's about the themes of CM Punk, sponsored by Manscaped. And today I am joined once again by one of the hosts of the Grapple Spotlight podcast, also one of the hosts of the British Wrestling Experience on post-wrestling, it's Benno. Hello again, Benno. Hey, Andrew. Thanks very much for having me back on again. Yeah, I'm glad you're back on here. Definitely, definitely. Um, you know, it's funny. After we did your first episode about Eddie Guerrero, uh, we were talking, and you said that if I ever did a CM Punk episode, that you're my guy. So I penciled <laughs> you in right then and there. And then a few months later, uh, me and Chris were talking about the fourth anniversary show and thinking up topics for that. And mm. he suggested CM Punk. And I had to tell him, like, look... I already promised that to another, so I kept my word, Benno. I kept my word. Wow, I appreciate that. That's a, that's a lot of pressure now, though, as well. I've uh, <laughs> taught myself uh, into that gig, and uh, yeah, like I mean, like I said to you last time, I'm I'm a huge fan of the show, and that is that is one I've looked forward to you to you covering. So absolutely my honor to do it with you. Hopefully, I can do the subject justice as a old school Ring of Honor message board idiot who's been following <laughs> CM Punk's career uh, right the way through. I'm I'm that guy who wants everyone. I want want to make sure everybody knows. You know, I I like CM Punk before he was cool. All of that. 
stuff. He's uh, <laughs> he's my wrestler as far as like wrestling goes. He's definitely uh, probably my favorite of all time. So no, I appreciate it. I appreciate your uh, you giving me the uh, the vote of confidence. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. Um, but before we get to punk and his music and all that stuff here, uh, how are things going with you, Benno? Um, I, I know here in the states at least. Uh, we've got, you know, people vaccinated and things opening up again and full crowds at sports and all that stuff. But how are things going in the UK? Okay. I mean, we, we unfortunately had some, you know, t- time of recording today, some bad news that, you know, we were expecting things to be fully normal um, by, uh, it's the 20, I think it was the 20 something of, uh, of June coming up, the 26th, I think it was that weekend. And we were all kind of looking forward to that. It's the week after my birthday. So I was looking forward to just, you know, everything being normal again but that's been put back a month but i think probably understandably um but we're in a in a little bit of a state of normality now i say things open up but right now you know you can go out to eat you can go out to drink you know there's rules about you know how many people you can be with the the rule of six that we've got over here and, and such but yeah you know i'm able to see family you know hug family you know, go, go out, see friends, you know, I spent the, this past weekend in London, which is something I wouldn't be able to do a, a few months ago. So it feels a little bit normal, even if, yeah, maybe there's a, there's still some restrictions there, but you know, I'll take it to be honest after the, uh, the year we've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mentioned this before we started, but, um, I ate in a restaurant for the first time in <laughs> well over a year and uh, it was a bit surreal at first, I think, but I took that first bite of food and uh, it felt pretty damn good, I think. And mm. and I'm looking forward to, you know, more dinners, more movies and wrestling shows, too. I mean, I'm yeah. going to Dynamite in September here in Boston, which oh, was supposed cool. to happen in April of last year. And during the heyday of the pandemic, it felt like that was just a million miles away. Mm. But now it's almost here. It's pretty incredible, Benno. Oh, wow. Yeah, we've got, I mean, that's all, I mean, I can't be going to Dynamite, like, if, obviously, hopefully that that happens, but it sounds like with the way things are going out there, it will, like, over here, we've got, you know, shows starting up again on a local level, Um, I was supposed to be going to a show the first week, everything, like I say, was supposed to properly open uh, the week after next, and that's probably in a bit more doubt, but shows have been running, you know, with reduced attendance, and, you know, people there in masks, the likes of Future Shock running in uh, in Stockwater, up up my end of the world, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think I'm at a point though now where I think, you know, I'm I'm half vaccinated myself. You know, absolutely agree. You know, we should all be wearing masks. We should all be keeping our distance. But if you can do these shows safely and you can, you know, keep everyone on a distance and the like, I think, and keep everyone as protected as you can do as far as you know, testing and vaccines and the like. Yeah. yeah. I'm quite happy to to go out. I know some people wouldn't be comfortable, but I'm quite happy to go to shows again. To be honest, I I can't wait to go to shows again. If anything. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too, definitely. Um, I mean, after watching Double or Nothing and just seeing and hearing that crowd, it got me so fired up. Not just going to a show, but just having these crowds back in general and having ROH you know, with fans again and Impact and MLW and so on. It's, it's so exciting and just a long time coming. Um, of course, <laughs> that doesn't mean the shows will be good, mind you, but uh, <laughs> that's, just, that's just the nature of wrestling, I suppose, Benno. <laughs> Oh, definitely, yeah, and that's it. Like that, just watching Double or Nothing and having the crowd back was enough to kind of carry that pay per view. Felt like it hasn't been quite enough to carry some of the TV since, but still, you know, it it, it felt that's where I started to feel okay. But getting to a bit of normality now, like hearing crowds again. If anything, it makes it made it harder to to go back and watch the empty arena stuff that's still happening in uh, in other places in the world. But yeah, I think when uh, when wrestling is truly back and we we have those those full crowds as a as a regular thing, I think we'll all uh, breathe a sigh of relief probably. 
For sure, for sure. Well, uh, anyway, let's get to the topic here. And, uh, of course, that topic is CM Punk, uh, one of my favorite wrestlers when he was around and obviously one of your favorites too, Benno, as you said earlier. And uh, with Punk, you know, we could be here all day because there is so much to talk about with Punk. So many stories, so many memories, good and bad, high and low. He's had, you know, a very eventful life and career, that's for sure. And as it turns out, we are just a few weeks away from the 10-year anniversary of the Pipe Bomb promo, which is so weird to me, Benno, because it just it feels like yesterday that the Pipe Bomb and the Cena match and blowing the kiss to Vince and all that stuff happened. I mean, it, it's 10 years ago already. It's, oh, it's nuts. I don't know whether it's like, is this a thing about, I think we talked about it last time, is this a thing about getting older? It just, time moves differently, because 10 <laughs> years before that was the invasion and that feels like a, a completely different generation ago <laughs> from like the the pipe bomb and the and the summer of punk and the like maybe it's something just to do with wrestling being very samey you know the in the uh, in the 10 years since but no that's that's absolutely insane like that does that does feel like it was it was yesterday um like i, I mean there's a lot of things like that with, with punk's career you know things things happen in a in a very you know, a close period of time, um, closer than than you would think. You know, it was a smaller, smaller, uh, smaller sample size. I think um, some some parts of his career than you would actually think when you were uh, when you go back and look. But yeah, you know, the the summer of punk is. You know, I'm on this podcast with you and the Voices of Wrestling Network, and as yeah, Rich and I'll always say to Joe, you know, and those guys started that podcast based on you know the the pipe bomb and based on um, punk Cena in uh, in Chicago and and all of that stuff. Like massively, massively important moments in wrestling history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember where I was when I first watched the Pipe Bomb promo. Um, I was on vacation with my parents in Florida, actually. And um, at that point, I'm not watching Raw or SmackDown every week anymore. I'm, I'm well past that point, but I still keep up with it and read the results and whatnot. So, you know, I'm on vacation and I go on my phone the day after Raw and everywhere I look, I see CM Punk cuts a shoot promo on Raw, must watch. And it's like, hmm, what's this? So I watch it, and you know, sure enough, there's Punk sitting cross-legged on the ramp, mentioning Ring of Honor and New Japan. Hey, Cole Cabana, how you doing? And calling Triple H Vince's doofus son-in-law, and the whole thing. And when it's over, I'm fired up. Get into it, as Joe Lanza would say. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, that led to Money in the Bank with Cena, which is just one of the greatest atmospheres and matches ever. Punk wins. He blows the kiss to Vince goodbye. And he leaves the company with the belts. And afterwards, they fuck it up, of course. But (laughs) until they fuck it up, I mean, this was just perfect in terms of getting buzz and getting people hyped up and the promo work and the match itself. It was all just so, so great, Benno. Oh yeah, it was, and you know the amount of wrestling fans you you know to that point you speak to who either were lapsed or you know weren't following at all and came back because of that promo and that run. You know, it, like I I feel like I'm one of them people. Like I'm I'm embarrassed to say, it, but the first time you know I I didn't hear the pipe bomb. I read the pipe bomb. I read the transcript on four one one mania because <laughs> I was still check. I was out of wrestling. You know, actually again ties into the last podcast we did. You know, after. Guerrero and Benoit and all that stuff kind of fell out of love with wrestling for a couple of years like the 2008 to 2009 10 period and like I, I was kind of you know still keeping an eye on things and following news sites and 
you know, you couldn't help but, you know, see the news of the pipe bomb. And yeah, I ended up reading it and then going and actually being able to actually see the promo itself afterwards. And like everybody else, I was swept away. And yeah, you know, there are obviously things that unfortunately went wrong with it. It wasn't quite the uh, the summer of punk that we wanted rather than, you know, going off and doing Ring of Honor and New Japan and all these things we all imagined he might do. He was kind of gone for a, a week or two and he was back on WWE TV, wasn't he, unfortunately? And, you know, all that stuff with, with Triple H and, uh, and our kevin nash as well which uh which didn't go particularly great for her either and threw some cold water <laughs> on it but oh the like how hot that was for you know the month or two before they kind of couldn't help themselves but spoil it it was yeah it was career defining i think for cm punk it took him to that that next uh, you know almost tippy top level even if maybe the company didn't want to go that extra step with him and yeah it just feels like a i don't think we've had as, as big a moment as that in in wrestling since definitely not in wwe yeah, somehow we went from the pipe bomb promo to Triple H versus Kevin Nash in a sledgehammer ladder match. Somehow, right? I mean, somehow. Okay, <laughs> just and and Benno, I know on uh, the Grapple Patreon, you just did an episode about like the biggest misses in wrestling, and Punk was on the list. And yeah, I mean, the importance of CM Punk. You know, this website, this podcast network, would not be around. If it wasn't for CM Punk, you know, you mentioned, of course, Rich starting the website because he went to Money in the Bank and he saw Punk win. That inspired him to start BOW. And that's what made Punk Punk, that deep connection with the crowd and the fans. He wasn't a body guy. He wasn't a five-star match machine. But the promos, the charisma, the emotional connection, the heart, the soul, that's where he was the best in the world, so to speak. And there are very few wrestlers these days that come to mind, who I think are truly capable of, of capturing that same personal connection that Punk could. And if WWE were smarter and were ran better, they could have really harnessed that and rode that wave from Money in the Bank into something just truly amazing. But it just didn't play out that way, Benno, unfortunately. No, that's it. And it's, you know, you say, you know, it's similar to maybe Daniel Bryan, you know, in that, yeah, both of them made it to the top, quote unquote, but they were never, you know, welcome to that, maybe that next level, you know, that was just because Punk wasn't a company guy, because, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, like you say, we needed to get to Triple H and Kevin Nash and CM Punk wasn't the priority. And yeah, that's it. Like he... That, I think what makes that such a big missed opportunity, that's that, that run is just, like, like you say, how swept up we all in the promo and then how swept up we all in the match and how excited we were about, you know, the idea of this renegade who left the company and then, you know, he's bringing in Laps fans, you know, that maybe went into Cena or whoever the company was trying to push at the, at the time and he felt like a legitimate guy that people believed in that they, they could get behind and, yeah, you know, that's just, it wasn't in the plans it wasn't something they wanted so it just it 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 you know it had punk achieved a success but only so much success and that i think that's it you know you say he's a missed opportunity there might be people that look back at it and go well yeah but he was he was world champion you know he was a he was a top guy for the last two years of his career before before he left and it's like yes he was but he should have been the biggest star in the company he should have been as he will constantly say you know made of it in WrestleManias and being on that next level and instead it kind of yeah it just it hit hit that that quote you know that famous glass ceiling that uh, the WWE's always got uh, built up right yeah I mean he did win the belt back from Del Rio later on and he was champion for over a year don't forget that but it's like yeah how many pay-per-views did he main event not many exactly. you know he, he wanted a main event mania didn't get to 
Uh, he was working hurt for a long time. He was working with a, a staph infection that could have killed him, for God's sake, and they gave him a Z-pack for it. So it's like, yeah, no wonder he left. He was just, he was so fed up. I'd be fed up too. And the thing is too, it's like, it's not like Punk's final year or so was entirely bad. There were still some bright spots. The the Cena match on Raw that one time. Uh, the Taker match at Mania. The Brock match at SummerSlam. Those are all great matches. But all the other stuff, the booking, the injuries, the runaround from Vince and Triple H, it was all just too much for the guy. So he left. And... He hasn't wrestled since because he's just lost the passion for it. You know, it's it's not like he was Shibata or Brett where he physically could not do it again. He just didn't want to. And to make a guy like CM Punk not want to wrestle anymore, that's pretty remarkable, I think, Benno. Yeah, definitely. And you can see it in him. Like, I think, you know, maybe more recently since, you know, he did the UFC thing and he's kind of quieting down a bit and he's doing, you know, the that you know that wrestling uh, tv show that he's doing with Stephen amell and he seems to maybe now kind of you know you see him drop a couple of wrestling references on his twitter or comment on something that's going on in the news and stuff make no mistake about it like cm punk's like wrestling's part of his blood isn't it so like you said like that is that's the biggest travesty that somebody who's like wrestling is such a big part of their life you know ends their career potentially you know with so much I think bitterness is the wrong word, but you know, bad feeling towards towards wrestling itself, and you know that the, the way he was treated on the way out the door, like you say, with you know the terrible treatment by WWE Medical, and you know the fact that he said that out loud led to all kinds of legal issues, you know, and all kinds of you know personal issues for him as well. Like I, I yeah, I just think it's it's one, it's an absolute travesty that we've even if Punk come, say comes back, you know, you said you go into to AW, say he turns up at an AW show or he turns up at an all out in Chicago, you know, it's gonna be I'll be one of the people losing my minds, but you know, I'd still be looking at back and going, Yes, but we lost seven years of the prime of this of this man's career because of WWE's ineptitude, you know, and I no other thing because like I say, he hit his head on the uh, on the ceiling there in WWE and completely justifiably walked away you know and that's CM Punk though and that's something we'll probably talk about today you know he's he's someone who's you know true to himself the reason we all bought into him and the reason we all kind of you know take him as a a legitimate guy and you know love him you know for, for lack of a better word is because you know he's never been anything other than himself and he's never been anything other than true to himself and to be honest yeah leaving the WWE at that point is probably the most true to himself things CM Punk could do it's just yeah it's a travesty for the rep for the rest of us kind of watching and and wrestling in general that it happened he is who he is yes and sometimes that makes him a hero and sometimes that makes him a villain but mm. that's the way it goes with Punk you know he's very much his own man and does what he wants and what's best for him and I don't mean to start this whole thing off all negative and whatnot but listen <laughs> that's that's what happened with the guy and like I said earlier he's had just such a very eventful career with a fair share of, of lows and a fair share of highs. Um, not drug highs, because he's straight edge, of course. But, uh, you know, Punk is he's more than just the pipe bomb and money in the bank and leaving the company. A lot more than that. It's just that, you know, that's the stuff that people talk about the most, I guess, Benno. Um, including us, apparently. So <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. yeah we're, we're, uh, there's plenty more to talk about, though, from, oh, yeah. from that career, like you said. Definitely, definitely. Uh, before we get any further here, Benno, I like to remind people that support for Music of the Mat is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments, 
to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and today we have an exclusive offer for my listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code MOTM at manscaped.com. That's the podcast initials, MOTM. You can use that code for the Perfect Package 3.0 kit, which includes the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The trimmer also has an LED light and is also waterproof. I use it all the time. It's a great trimmer. My balls are just smooth as silk, Ben. It's amazing. Wow. Good to know. Good information. Like, I need to I need to get on this. We need to have a, yeah, grapple. Manscaped slash grapple or something. Yeah, I think we could, uh, <laughs> we could all do with a, with, with a product like that. <laughs> the Perfect Package 3.0 kit also includes the Crop Preserver, which is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer, as well as the Crop Reviver, which combined keep your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. Manscaped also threw in two free gifts in their perfect package, a pair of high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs, and a travel shed bag to store all of your goodies. So don't be like 2010 straight-edge society CM Punk, all hairy and gross. No, (laughs) trim your junk and get 20% off and free shipping with the code MOTM at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code MOTM. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, let's get to these themes here. And uh, we'll start off with something that we did on the Chris Jericho episode and the Chris Sabin episode, and that's a medley. Because between Punk's pro debut in 99 and him signing with WWE in 05, he worked a lot of indies, and he had a lot of entrance themes there. So we'll talk in-depth about the more well-known themes, the bigger ones. But let's start off here with a medley of the various indie themes CM Punk had. It's called the CM Punk Metric Fuckton of Indie Themes Medley. Hit it, Johnny! Took the 60 bus out of downtown Campbell Benzonato He was on there, he was waiting for me While the punk rockers and the moon stompers Were out on the corners where they're sparing for chance Go pass on me by my world 
bitch ain't one If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son I got 99 problems, but a bitch ain't one Hit me! Yeah, it's 94 and my trunk is raw And my rear view mirror is the motherfucking law This man Hung up on the truck stop hallway door It's looking worn and I can hardly read it anymore I feel like I'm a speck thrown down the map and Here are the songs in order. Roots Radical by Rancid, Olay by The Bouncing Souls, When Will They Shoot by Ice Cube, People Equal Shit by Slipknot, Don't Stop the Rock by Freestyle, The Ballad of Johnny X by The Bouncing Souls, My Life by Lars Fredrickson and The Bastards featuring Tim Armstrong, Halloween 2 by Sam Hain, Among the Living by Anthrax, Strange Hold by Rocket from the Crypt, 99 Problems by Jay-Z, Gainesville Rock City by Less Than Jake, The Grinch by Blue Meanies, Heads Are Gonna Roll by Rocket from the Crypt, Paradise City by Guns N' Roses, All My Best Friends Are Metalheads by Less Than Jake, Facing What Consumes You by Hatebreed, Jesus Walks by Kanye West, and finally, Shitlist by L7. Phew! <laughs> Alright, so, first of all, punk, buddy, just pick a song, will ya, please? I mean... <laughs> There's Fickle, and then there's this. Come on. But but in all seriousness, you know, this is a pretty good sampler of the kind of music a guy like CM Punk would listen to and, and come out to. You know, his name is CM Punk, for God's sake. Of course there's going to be punk and metal and hardcore or some ska, a bit of hip-hop in there too. You know, lots of aggression and rage overall. It's right up Punk's alley, Benno, for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Like it's a, it's just like it's a good looking mixtape, isn't it? Really, you know, it's like uh, it kind of the songs there sum up him as a personality. I think as somebody like 
he's clearly got good taste in music. You know, I don't think there's any obvious big misses in there. Like there's a like you said, a surprising amount of hip hop. Like I, even as a massive CM Punk fan, hadn't realized that he'd used you know Ice Cube or that he'd used Ninety Nine Problems by <laughs> by Jay Z. You know, at different points in his career. But I think you know all of the the hip hop songs there are things that I you know I, I personally listen to, and even the stuff you know from genres I wouldn't listen to, I recognize as particularly good songs. Like yeah, he's that he's that guy. I reckon he's that friend who the who'd make who'd make you a mixtape and it'd be a killer. You know, all killer, no thr- no uh, no filler. It feels like on this thing, uh, just uh, all kinds of uh, memorable songs, if not songs that are maybe memorable for being CM Punk songs, apart from maybe one or two in there. Um, like I, I can't can't particularly remember him. Uh, coming out to, to Jay-Z like I say or, or coming out to uh, Paradise City by Guns N' Roses that's one like the that kind of strikes me is like that sounds like a great entrance theme but I, I can't particularly picture CM Punk coming out to it like you know our, our, our mutual friend uh, Steph Chase who was on this podcast recently she's a huge Guns N' Roses fan and like she, she'll uh, she'll play that play that all day and talk about that as a potential theme song that she'd probably use if she was a ever a wrestler and like i'm a i'm kind of i'm a i'm a, I'm a noob to the to the guns and roses scene but i'm kind of uh been listening to a lot of them lately but that one kind of blows my mind um she actually interviewed punk recently and she was it was wrestlemania weekend um she was interviewing him for, for a movie that was coming up and she was interviewing literally uh in my house downstairs in my living room and i was just sat in the corner like a like a little skiddy school girl wanting to <laughs> want to butt in at any moment but having to to sit there and be quiet that's how much of a see a punk fan i am but yeah i can't believe he actually used that i love you punk i'm your biggest fan i love you so much that's I literally love what you. i wanted to do i had to hold it in i held it in. and i was a professional and i let her get away good but yeah that was it that was pretty see punk's voice was in my flat i thought that was pretty good um, that's your claim yeah, to that's fame a, that's right? a song yeah. That yeah there you go i'll take that yeah yeah i mean a lot of these are just one and dones on an iwa mid-south show and, and that's it but but yeah in general i think these songs work pretty well for punk you know like People equal shit and shit list are great because he's a misanthrope, you know? That's him. So Doesn't I think overall... he's a Slipknot fan, though. That's the thing, isn't it? Like, CM Punk Slipknot? I don't know if I can see it. I, I mean, he could, you know? He he came out to it on the indie, so chances are he likes it, I think, mm-hmm. I, I guess. Um, but I mean, I think overall these songs work well just for this environment of, you know, 2000s indie wrestling where metal and hardcore and punk are just permeating the entire scene you know it's not like these songs are out of place or unique i think they're just as much of a marker of his environment benno yeah that's it yeah it's kind of you know it's indie rest you, you can kind of you can feel it in some of these themes where like yeah he's turned up to the iwa mid-south show on the day and he's just thrown a cd it's ian rotten and gone oh, i've been listening to that all day so yeah so use that <laughs> throw some ice cube in so th- throw some guns and roses in like that <laughs> that's probably how some of these were used um like i think i was probably saying the, the one i mostly recognize as a punk song is Olay by the bouncing souls like i know everyone will more associate that with el generico but like i remember like you know seeing a lot of like midwest era shows even when he didn't use that as a theme you'd hear like fans you know chanting that along for for cm punk as if it, you know and having and gabe sapolsky and roh commentary having to explain um why they were <laughs> do, singing the ole song for uh for cm punk so yeah there's a couple like that that do stand out as punk songs but other than that yeah definitely feel like on the day decisions right right so a good portion of the themes that we'll cover in depth here are from when punk was in ring of honor uh, to most people, that's his most well-known indie stuff, I'd wager. And he debuted in ROH at All-Star Extravaganza in November of '02 in a gauntlet match. His first ROH theme is by Hatebreed, 
who were in the medley. This is off of the album Perseverance, and it's called A Call for Blood. happy little number, isn't it? Um, I mean, when a song is called A Call for Blood, you kind of know what you're getting, right? And we're getting screamo, hardcore metal with lyrics like, I fucking hate you. Every bone in my body will ache till I destroy everything you love and fill your life with their pain. Your reign of terror is coming to an end, and I have no mercy for your soul. Your blood is on my hands. A call for blood for what you've done. No tolerance for what you've done. It's not what I would call gentle, Benno. No, no, it's, it's every, you know, it it is what it kind of says on the tin. It's, it's a hate breed song, isn't it? <laughs> it's, a, it's, I think for like for, for a wrestling theme, I think it works because you can imagine how many indie wrestlers can you imagine have probably come out to this over the years or something that maybe sounds a bit like this over the years it's just you know it's angry it's it's aggressive like you mentioned the lyrics there are particularly aggressive and it's it's one of those songs where i don't even think fans of it would would you know hate on you for saying it's noise you know in a good or bad way but it's it's you know it's it's a strong loud noise coming out of uh, the pa system and i can imagine in like a, a local gym somewhere and yeah, yeah. That's the only thing about it, though. It, it, it doesn't. It sounds like I could imagine CM Punk liking the song, but it doesn't sound like you know CM Punk. I think as an entrance, it just sounds like every douchebag indie wrestler who thinks having <laughs> angry music as their theme is the is the way to go, and they all kind of merge into each other. I think that's the uh, that's the issue with this one. Yeah, I think it fits him in terms of his like general mood and appearance. I'd sure. say. But in terms of being memorable among his other themes, not so much, right? Exactly. I mean, this music is not my cup of tea anyway. Um, there are songs on this episode that do, like, screamo vocals that I like, but they also have melodic stuff in there, too, to counterbalance. Whereas this is just a full-on assault on the ears. So it's not my thing. If you like it, you like it. But this is not one of my favorite punk themes, Benno, that's for sure. No, not a screamo guy myself either, unfortunately. But you know, like I say, I, I, don't, I can't imagine we've offended anybody. Anybody who likes that stuff, that's why they like it, isn't it? You know, it's uh, you know, it's like 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 any genre. I can under, I can I can understand why the people who love it do. Just not for me, is all I'd say. Right, right. But I think in this case with punk, it's similar to a lot of other ROH legends where their first themes are not necessarily their most well known. Like you know, some of Joe, Danielson, Aries, guys like that. So it's not surprising that Punk's first ROH theme is, it's it's not bad per se, but it's not his most iconic theme from that run. 
yeah, I think generic is the word, isn't it? It's kind of like, yeah. Not a bit much, forgettable, yeah. yeah. Yeah, forgettable, yeah. Not much work Not much work has been put into it, and it's once maybe the company have realised who he is and, you know, exactly, you know, how he should be presented. Like like you said, it happened with so many talent coming into Ring of Honor that usually they get crafted or pointed in the direction or the wrestler themselves comes up with a, a better theme for themselves. And, yeah, if just everything about it just sounds temporary. And like we said, it could have really belonged to anybody in the company at that point. So in the middle of 03, Punk gets a theme that he uses very briefly that I couldn't find anywhere or any info about, some sort of hardcore song. But then he gets another theme, one that lasts for about two years, actually, and that encompasses the Raven Feud, the Second City Saints, the Samoa Joe trilogy, and then finally him winning the ROH title. This is by AFI off of their album Sing the Sorrow. This is, of course, Miseria Cantare, The Beginning. So I had not heard this song in a very long time, but all it took was just one listen and I was back in, baby. I mean, that opening synth melody, the drums kick in, dun dun cha, dun dun cha cha cha, love, your hate, your faith lost. Oh, I got such chills, Benno. I mean, it, it, this is one of my favorite ROH themes of all time. It's so memorable. It creates this chilling atmosphere where it's moody but it's also very anthemic and inspiring it's a classic Benno no doubt oh, yeah. you say it gave you chills I, it, it gives me chills listening to it to this day this is this is the CM Punk theme to me you know like this is just like you say the it, this is the theme song of a star wrestler you know what I mean it's like previous songs we mentioned and you know there was some fun ones in there that he used on the indies you know and the hate breed song and another these is used but this is the the song of like a, a confident kind of knows who he is superstar wrestler like it doesn't it's not even a particularly upbeat song 
it's kind of it's atmospheric as you say is the word for this one it's it's kind of you know it's like you say the heavy drums which are so memorable like as like being a ring of honor fan and watching those dvds and wanting to join the fans and slapping the barricades you know to it and often they'd slap the barricades and it'd come off like they were doing the uh, the theme to terminator um, rather yeah. than, uh, than afi but it was all part of that big atmosphere and just like listening to it like you say i still get chills listening to it because i can picture you know punk coming out slowly in his in his tracksuit top and sauntering out to the ring only after he's let the intro play for you know <laughs> 30 to 40 seconds of it. again that makes i think in a way makes him feel like a like a bigger star and every bit of his entrance is kind of like tailored towards the song that he kind of saunders saunters around the ring and then gets in the ring you know at the, at the right point in the song as well and it's just yeah it it, it this song transports me back to being a Ring of Honor fan in, you know, 2004 or so and being a huge CM Punk fan in those years. And I think it's as big a part of why, you know, CM Punk maybe got over or was such a big star in Ring of Honor. Like Music, you know, as you'll always say, is a big part of the, the package of, of why wrestlers are who they are. And this music is, I think, is, for me, I put it out there up there with the best wrestling themes of all all time definitely the best ring of honor theme of all time and it's yeah it's for all those reasons really it's just yeah chills anytime i hear it still and inspired to use it as a wrestling song as well like you know it's it's maybe not the most obvious one because it's not a big up-tempo babyface song or it's not a, a moody heel song but it's just everything about it is epic and it's just perfect for a big superstar wrestler yeah, this hits that sweet spot for me where there's the yelling and the oomph and the force behind it, but there's also that emotion too, the melodic vocals. It's not, fuck you, fuck this, ba 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 the entire time. There's a duality here, and that makes for, I think, a much more interesting theme and a much more interesting portrayal of Punk's character. He isn't just this dour, hate-filled guy in basketball shorts, right? He's There's a complexity to him where he has this enticing way about him that draws you in like a nice melody would and that that story of him being this guy who could draw people in and entice them to this collective that that charisma about him it's in the lyrics too in a way love your hate your faith lost you are now one of us that's done in a group chant style nothing from nowhere i'm no one at all radiate recognize one silent call as we all form one dark flame incinerate Again, the idea of finding a group, forming one dark flame, it's a call to arms. And so much of Punk's whole deal has been voice of the voiceless. I'm one of you. We're in this together against the world. And that message is amplified so much with him having the song, Benno. Yeah, absolutely. And like, that's the thing, you know, you hit the nail on the head there for who CM Punk was, even in ROH, you know, I think maybe like in his later career, he kind of got retconned in some people's eyes as being like, maybe even almost a work rate guy of like a Brian Danielson type. And, you know, don't get me wrong, he had great best in the world level matches, you know, points, but what connected punk to crowds was in a work rate company in Ring of Honor, where there were all kinds of guys who could go out there and give you the bell-to-bell sports-like presentation match he was the guy who was out there giving you the feuds like i hear this song i picture him and a steel coming out um to face you know come and batter bj whitman and and dan maff or a picture him coming out you know during the jimmy rave feud or a picture him coming out during the the samoa joe matches or you know 
again, myself personally managed to see him just the one time, you know, live in Chicago, singing along to this song with, you know, with people in Chicago uh, Ridge uh, at, a, at a Ring of Honor show as well. Like, it is, it's a big part. CM Punk's entire deal, I think, in Ring of Honor, again, in a in a world where it was very much about work, right? it was about connection, and this song is a big part of that connection and a big part of that personality and a, a big part of that charisma that that got him over and stood him out as different and yeah made him a star in that company and people slap on the barricade too that plays into the crowd <sighs> connection as well i mean it, it's perfect you know um, especially in comparison to a guy like samoa joe who is a rival who has the swaggery arrogant hip-hop the champ is here theme you know it's the complete opposite of that and i've said before on the show that themes can be great on their own but they can also be great as a contrast to other wrestlers' themes. And that's a prime example of that, I think, um, along with other themes like Danielson and Homicide and whatnot, Benno. Oh, for sure. I- I'll always say, you know, I'm a big Ring of Honor, mid-2000s homer, but like, I don't think there's many companies who got theme music as right as Ring of Honor did. Like, They're, they're up there with ECW as far as like assigning perfect wrestling themes to people and-, and the music being as big a part as the atmosphere of, of those peak ring of honor shows as anything else in in the presentation and yeah like you say that the ones you listed off there you know final countdown for for brian danielson beanie siegel for homicide like they were they were perfect at assigning an individual theme to each guy you're absolutely right you know one theme didn't sound like the other everybody kind of had their their own swagger um and yeah punk is is right at the top of that list as well definitely definitely um by the way uh afi have two big indie themes this and i hope you suffer for jimmy havoc um one's a little less tainted now than the other i'd say benno uh, but uh yeah, there you go i guess <laughs> it's true i mean yeah you, you know from listening to grapple we're, uh, we're not the big jimmy uh, havoc fans we never were never mind uh all the good reasons why you shouldn't be a, a jimmy a havoc great song though point. a great oh, song you're right yeah it, it, again progress similar to ring of honor i'll, I'll give them their, their due they music was a massive part of of why that presentation worked and jimmy havoc his entrance and yeah using afi and i hope you suffer was probably the peak theme that they had too so yeah two two big wins for afi i suppose in in, in the wrestling theme sakes but yeah like you say one uh, one of those is uh, is very much tainted at this point mm-hmm. let's take a little detour now because while punk was working in roh and iwa mid-south and places like that he was also working in tna uh, he was there on and off for a little over a year from September of 2002 to February of 2004, uh, as an undercard guy. Uh, he became a member of Raven's group The Gathering, with Julio De Niro and Alexis Lurie, a.k.a. Mickey James. But then him and De Niro turned on Raven and got James Mitchell as their manager. Uh, Punk had a couple of random themes in TNA, uh, including Raven's theme, but the one that I could find for him is by Dale Oliver, of course. It's his and De Niro's theme. It's called Rage.
gotta say, Benno, you know, going from Miseria Cantare to this is a bit of a come down. <laughs> I mean, I, I love Dale, don't get me wrong, but this is not one of his better works. Pretty basic, just a simple rock instrumental, nothing to it really, and I just don't have much to say about it at all, I guess. Um, it's no my world, that's for sure. No, 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 it's not. Uh, or the uh, what's the what's the Scott Hall one? Marvelous, marvelous me, me. Yeah, yeah, great song, great that's, song. That's the other uh, for me. That's the other great, uh, great TNA team. No, they've done great work over the years, but this one, yeah, it's it, it, it sums up t- Punk's t- uh, TNA run, doesn't it? Like just nondescript. He was he was with Raven, then he was against Raven, and he was just a guy. You know, he wasn't any treated as any bigger a star than like Julio Tenario. He was just he was a guy that, that typical TNA. Not realizing they had the potential generational. You know, generational difference-making star on their books. No, he was just another guy with tattoos who was part of a couple of forgettable angles, unfortunately. And yeah, this is you know right down to the title, rage. You know, should have given it to Alex Riley. It is. It's, so, it's so generic. It really is. Good pull there. Good pull. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, it, it's par for the course. Like like you said, CM Punk and ROH and CM Punk and TNA were two very different things. Same guy, same look. And same enemy with Raven, even, but, you know, one of them is leading his own stable and getting world title shots. He's cutting these great promos about his dad and Raven and being straight edge and all that. He feels like his own man. And the other is just this undercard tag guy. So the difference is night and day, and the themes are too. So it all lines up there, I guess, Benno. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's it. And yeah, yeah, I don't expect any, anything more or less. And, you know, the, the, the TNA run's just hilarious, isn't it, in general? That, yeah, it ends up, we say, CM Punk, he's his own man. He, he has a set of principles. And what was it, a fight with Teddy Hart outside of a, something to do with Sabu or something? <laughs> like a, a fight at a restaurant that, that led to him leaving, uh, you know, get, getting in trouble with TNA and then eventually leaves TNA because of the, uh, the you know, the deal with uh, TNA would not want to use uh, ROH. Uh, sign guys and punk sticking to his morals sticks on the uh, the ROH side it's it's all very CM Punk that story isn't it yeah there's that uh, that famous quote from his live journal where he's going off against Teddy Hart for jumping off the scramble cage there is no god and the cage wasn't 30 feet that line is just burned in my brain at this point <laughs> but but yeah this is a very forgettable song for just a, a nothing run really in the hobby it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks We hype ourselves up thinking, "Ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. But with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view of all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy Slab Packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards, and yeah, you can open it, and look, it's going to be junk. You're, you, you know what I mean? Like, you know what you're probably going to get in those. Maybe you find that fun, and sometimes I do. Sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying, oh, hey, look at some random cards or whatever. But if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards, it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs, and it ends up being, you know, almost nothing, you know, nothing of value. Not with Arena Club. 
You get a display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash VOW net. Arenaclub.com slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. So, the other non ROH theme from this era that we'll discuss is one that Punk used in FIP Full Impact Pro. Uh, which was the sister promotion to ROH when Gabe was involved. Punk's theme in FIP is by Slayer, off of the album South of Heaven. This is South of Heaven. So we're back to the proper metal here with Slayer. Um, one of their more quote-unquote mellow songs, relatively speaking, I guess. But it's still Slayer, right? It's still pretty much the heaviest of metal around. Uh, talking about Judgment Day, Souls of Damnation, Chaos Rampant, and Age of Distrust, Bastard Sons Begat Your Cunting Daughters, Promiscuous Mothers With Your Incestuous Fathers, Ingrate Souls Condemned for All Eternity. I mean, this is some proper evil stuff here, Benno. Oh, yeah, and it, it kind of fit, like, you know, Punk, you know, FIP was kind of like ROH's sister promotion at this point, so, like, over there, they'd, you know, Gabe, had, it was kind of, I think the deal was they'd fly Punk into Florida to do commentary for ROH shows, and while he was there, he'd work the FIP shows, I think it all, <laughs> or what, you know, the other way around, and, and 
they had him over there as like a cult leader. You know, him and him and Azrael were kind of yeah, with, with team up as the. I think it was, was it called the New Dawn? I think the, the name of it. it was something generic like that. And really, the only difference was it was CM Punk, but he had some eyeshadow on, um, <laughs> and as did Azrael. And it just, it, you know, it, like anything in FIP, it was uh, nice. It was fun and experimental while it lasted, uh, but it didn't really go anywhere. But this song does fit that. It kind of fits that. You know, like that, that culty kind of vibe um i think i think it works for who, uh, who cm punk was in the uh, in the fip presentation um, although it didn't kind of work when because there was what there was that uh, fip show wasn't there where uh, where him and when homicide was it ended up having a fight in a strip club oh um, yes track that yes, down yes, if you can yes. find the people i can't imagine this player in there uh, in that strip club but yeah, yeah a couple of memorable moments he had uh, during that part of his career yeah it, it was the new dawn by the way you were, mm. you were right on that um yeah but yeah, this is a lot closer to A Call for Blood than Miseria Cantare, that's for sure, right? It's not inspiring or moody or emotional. It's just pure evil. And, you know, admittedly, I've never seen any of Punk's FIP stuff, really. But if he's going for a darker character there, then it makes sense to go for a darker song as a theme. Um, that said, you know, it just it's a little harder for me to get into this song than Miseria Cantare as a CM Punk theme. It just... It doesn't have that same specialness to it, Benno, I think. Oh, no, I think that's fair. And I don't think many, you know, the, the FIP that existed at that point, you know, they draw like 20 people. And, you know, there'll be 20 of us who buy the DVD as well. So I don't think there are many people out there who've got that uh, <laughs> that connection to much uh, FIP produce. But there, there was, you know, like I say, some hidden gems in there and some, uh, like a lot of, like I say, it felt experimental. It just felt like, oh, see, he doesn't, just to do something different and be a different type of, of CM Punk and do a different kind of character work and be a heel while he was a, a baby face on the ROH side and maybe sell some extra DVDs that way. That's kind of all existed though mm-hmm, right right um yeah you mentioned like that clip of punk and homicide in the strip club that's that's the only fip clip i've seen really that's all you and need. The, thi- <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing is you know it, it's a false count anywhere match and they're fighting in the strip club and there are two strippers on stage basically dry humping each other and punk just goes over to them and screams you're a whore in their face, which lines up with Punk's character nicely, I'd say, Benno. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, good job he was a heel at that point, to be honest. Yeah, you're not getting away yeah. with not, not, not getting away with lines like that these days. To be fair, there are a few lines as a, as a heel Punk uh, would shout that you wouldn't get away with these days. But yeah, that and I, I remember his, his old Twitter bio used to say once tripped. Uh, tried to tip a stripper with a filet fish yes i assume yes. that's uh, connected to that as well uh, i don't know what punk's doing i think it's still up joints. there actually i think so <laughs> yeah see <laughs> so true to himself to the very end <laughs> exactly exactly yeah It was a year ago, it was over a year ago, I held this belt high in the air after I fought for it for the first time in Dayton, Ohio, for Samoa Joe, and I proclaimed this right here, the most important belt in North America. Right now, in my hands, as of this day, 61805, 
this becomes the most important belt in the world. This belt in the hands of any other man is just a belt. In my hands it becomes power. Just like this microphone in the hands of any of the boys in the back is just a microphone. You put it in the hands of a dangerous man like myself and it becomes a pipe bomb. These words that I speak, spoken by anybody else but me, are simply words strung together and loosely formed into sentences. When I say, I mean what I mean, I say, and they become anthems. You see, if I could be afforded the time to tell all of you here today a little bit of a story. It's a parable of sorts. There was once an old man walking home from work. He was walking in the snow and he stumbled upon a snake frozen in the ice. Well, he took that snake and he brought it home and he took care of it. And he thought it out and he nursed it back to health. And as soon as that snake was well enough, it bit that old man, and as that old man lay there dying, he asked the snake, why? I took care of you. I loved you. I saved your life. And that snake looked that man right in the eye and said, you stupid old man, I'm a snake. The greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people believe he didn't exist. And you're looking at him right now.
So in June of 05, Punk accepts an offer to join WWE, but he still has to wrestle Austin Aries for the ROH World title. And lo and behold, Punk actually wins the belt. And the crowd goes nuts. He's crying in the ring. And then he cuts a promo, that promo, where he turns on the fans, calls them all puppets, and all of a sudden, the ROH title may just walk out the door. Hmm, that sounds a bit familiar, I think, Benno, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's it's the first summer of punk. Um, and as such, punk gets a new theme. This is by the band Living Color, off of their first album, Vivid. With an intro from Nancy Sinatra, this is Cult of Personality. So the intro there is from Bang Bang, My Baby Shot Me Down by Nancy Sinatra. Um, people might know it from the beginning of Kill Bill, uh, which is interesting because instead of having the song start on its own, they add that little guitar riff in there at the beginning, which, if I can put my English major bullshit hat on, is sort of putting a little tragic spin on the scenario because Bang Bang is a sad song and that guitar sounds very melancholic. And the whole storyline was punk selling out and turning his back on the fans and betraying them. So it's a little signifier that something tragic has happened. And then here comes the villain with Cult of Personality. Um, that's the way I see it, Benno, anyway. No, it feels like a troll move, doesn't it? You know, it feels like he's he knows what those lyrics are saying. And he knows he's like trolling like the, the ROH fan base, and it suits you know who he was at this point. You know, in this company, this is to me that this is the real summer of punk. You know, Andrew, this is this is the one for me. Like the whole the whole bit. To be honest, I I I bit on all of it. You know, from from the start, like it it, it, it was something where. You know, we all believed he was really leaving Ring of Honor. We all thought it was really his last match. You know, and then he, he wins the title. Um, and not only not only is he, he, you know, kind of we're all happy and think he's going to be the biggest babyface in the world, but he turns on the company and he becomes this shitbag heel instead. <laughs> and you know, that is an intro. And this is the song which you know I'm sure we're about to get into. It's just is perfect for that kind of big time. I'm too big for this company. I've got this big contract in my back pocket. I'm gonna leave you fuckers at any moment. And yeah, I think having that intro on it's just a kicker to that too. Yeah, I mean it's such a classic song regardless. Um, but I think in the context of punk and this heel turn, it's brilliant because it's kind of like a heelish spin on Miseria Cantare because Miseria was about coming together and uniting as one. It felt like a communal theme. 
This song, it's much more singular. It's about coming together under one person, the cult of personality, who uses charisma and mass media and lies to get what they want and to get their followers. I know your anger. I know your dreams. I've been everything you want to be. I exploit you. Still, you love me. I tell you one and one makes three. It's not about one of us or we. It's about I. I'm the cult of personality. I'm in charge. You follow me. So it's taking that charismatic, rousing spirit and turning it into something selfish and bad and, and evil, which in this context is a pretty great choice to make for a theme battle. Definitely. Like, uh, that's the thing I'd say. It's a, it, it's a heel song, isn't it? You know, yeah. I mean, obviously we get into the, the later use of it, but... If, I think if anything, if it's if it's this part of his career better than the later part of his career, because this is who he was at this point, you know, like the lyrics, you know, like Mussolini and Kennedy and the and the cult of personality, you know, it it is it's an egotistical song. It's the it's the song of a maybe almost delusional man, you know. It's the song of like I say, somebody who thinks he's too big for this company in Ring of Honor and is you know gonna do the dastardly thing and run out on us with the. Uh, the ROH belt and go to go to WWE. Actually, yeah, I, I I think as much as this is, I would say probably the, the theme that's mostly synonymous with, with CM Punk, and I think it, it probably will be forever. Considering you know he used it for UFC, and he's probably gonna wind up using it if he uh, if he ever does come back to to wrestling again. Um, but I don't think it ever fit his moment in time better than you know as this shitbag summer of Punk, you know suit clad you know i'm going to wwe guy that he was at this point in uh, in 2005 yeah it's definitely a lot more effective as a theme with punk as the champion too because a cult of personality is supposed to be a leader or have some sort of power um as you mentioned the song references malcolm x gandhi stalin mussolini jfk etc and punk using this song wasn't a scrub or, or an opening guy he was the champion he was the face of the company and he had the power to walk out as the champion. You know, he signed his contract on the belt, for God's sake. Like, he was king shit. <laughs> so it definitely works better with him as this top guy, this big deal, as opposed to a mid-carder or a perennial chaser or whatever, Benno. Totally. Totally. And I think that, you know, that switch up as well, you know, he, he couldn't have carried on coming out to AFI at this point because, you know, he even changed his hair color. Like this was a, you know, one where it was like, okay, now that I'm finally champion. And even though it was only going to be a short run, you know, like I say, a lot of this punk stuff that we talk about happens in, in, in short spaces of time, you know, he, he completely, you know, changed his look completely checked like i say changed his hair his body had changed because he was getting ready for the WWE contract he changed his gear into it like it was like a lot of black and and purple and he's wearing the black and the purple suits and you needed that change of theme to go along with it he couldn't have you know he could wake as a heel previously yeah using afi but i don't think he could have you know you this was such a shift in character and just a shift in presentation that he needed something special and i can't think of a better pick for it yeah, it's a lot harder to slap the barricades to this than Miseria Cantare, I think. <laughs> <That's true>. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, of course, later on, this became his theme in WWE with the the static intro. After he came back from Money in the Bank. And uh, it was also his last wrestling theme in general, which is interesting. And uh, a little weird, too, because he did use this song as a face in WWE. And um, as you said, Benno... This is not your typical face song. It's rather maniacal and egotistical and all that stuff. But 
I guess it became so attached to punk as his theme that he just he kept it no matter what the scenario was, Benno. Yeah, that's it. It's kind of because it's so it's such a good song, and because it it does it feels big time. It feels you know we we talked about AFI the AFI theme being such a, a different theme for a wrestler. This is how different is this to any other WWE theme? You know, like uh, WWE would any other wrestler go? Okay, I'm going to use a song by Living Color. You know that just that wasn't happening in 2011, and that's kind of you know testament again to Punk being true to himself. Like I, I'll be honest, you know when he when he when he came back in summer of Punk 2011 and and got this theme, and clearly part of his his contract uh, convinced them to to pay up for it. There was a little part of me inside that's like, oh, could he not have had a, a have a word with Vince and got a Miziera Cantare instead? Um, but this you know I think maybe Punk preferred it as a song or saw it more as a a main eventer theme maybe because of you know what happened in ROH maybe that's part of it as well Um, you know again stuck rather than picking a new song even for for UFC later like we talked about there's there's something about this song that he's really attached to isn't there clearly um and it is it's synonymous with him so I think it just it works regardless maybe of the lyrics and even some of the the weird voice clips that are towards the end of this song that I'd never noticed before when I was uh, (laughs) listening back to it get ready for this podcast yeah it became his song absolutely um going all the way to, to UFC even where he came out to it which uh he didn't do so well, Benno. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think Inoki would have been a bit upset with his performances there. So <laughs> I was upset with his performance, mate. I was. Uh, uh, I was oh, we all couch. were. We all oh, were. God, terrible. Uh, but oh well. <laughs> get, let's get it back in the ring where he needs to be. Yeah, I mean, fair play to him. He wanted to do it, so he did it. That's um, CM Punk. Yep, that's CM Punk through and through. Definitely. So yeah, Punk does not walk out of ROH as the champion. Uh, He loses the belt to James Gibson. And then he has his last match in ROH against Colt Cabana in August. He does make a one-night return in February as a surprise guest fill-in. But Punk, the final chapter in Chicago, uh, is his last scheduled match in ROH. And for the occasion, he gets a new theme song. This is by The Bouncing Souls, off of the album Anchors Away. This is... Night Train. Don't know when I'll be back. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) So uh, it's no big mystery what this song's about. It's about leaving home and saying goodbye. Goodbye to me and you. Goodbye to the life we knew. One last long embrace, then go and walk on through. I'm leaving everything behind for a peace that I can't find. 
Ghosts that roam this house, winter air right through our souls, and it feels like dying, it just feels like time to go. Very appropriate thematically for Punk's last show, it's The Bouncing Souls, which is a band that Punk likes, and yeah, it's just, it's a very emotional song for the occasion, Benno. Oh, definitely. I mean, it feels a little bit like I'm looking, like I say, well, you know, he was only using Nirvana, what, 2003, 4, and 5? Was was About the, three years, yeah. Yeah, it was... And yet we, you know, I can, I still get goosebumps listening to this song, like similar to, you know, you know, a couple of punk themes now. Like this is one where I listen to this song and I'm taken right back to that last appearance when he comes out to it. Because the beauty of it was, you know, we all, like you said, we had the summer of punk. We knew we had two dates left in Ring of Honor, and the last date was in Chicago when he was going to be facing Cold Cabana. And you know, Ring of Honor, like you mentioned there, pulled one on us and had, had James Gibson beat him for the belt the night before. And the beauty of it was that meant that for his final light in Ring of Honor, and I know this sounds silly, you could just forget the storyline, you could forget the you know the, the heel run. He could be in Chicago and just be CM Punk for one last night on his way out. And listening to this song back, it just reminded. It just I felt like I was right back there watching Punk the final chapter again, where they play uh, Miziera Cantare in, in its entirety. Then they hit this, and it's a song that you know I wasn't familiar with at the time, and I'm sure a lot of Ring of Honor fans weren't familiar with at the time. And Punk just kind of walks out of the entranceway, bawling his eyes out, like completely, you know, distressed with the fact that he's made this decision to leave Ring of Honor. You know, he's not the the heel character CM Punk at this point. He's you know Phil Brooks the man or CM Punk the man, or if you wanna you wanna wear it, and it's it's real you know and it, although yes it's only three years he was in ring of honor but it feels a lot longer than that <laughs> it feels like you know that was his home and you mentioned live journal it you know earlier andrew i do remember him doing a, an entry on his live journal with the lyrics to this song you know posting them and reading them at the time myself and thinking yeah this is perfect you know for for cm punk leaving ring of honor this you know describes you know cm punk leaving ring of honor it, it is kind of like you know, it's a it's a song about moving away from home. It's a song about you know saying goodbye, and it's a sound about song about you know chasing your dreams, even if maybe you think you know they might not come off. And that's the point CM Punk was in at his life at this time. And it's just it's absolutely you know he only used it for this one match, but it's perfect for this one match, and it's perfect for this big emotional occasion. And like I say, it it gives goosebumps for me listening to it back and even just reading the lyrics back. You know, it 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 really is a, a song that just fits so perfectly again for this moment in CM Punk's life. Yeah, it's just so on the nose with what he's going through here with this transition and the emotional weight of it all. This town is dead to me and I can't stop chasing my dreams. I love you more than anything, but what you want, I can never be. Like, we know Punk loves ROH, but he has to go because his dreams are bigger than ROH. And the last line just nails it home. Goodbye to me and you. Goodbye to the life we knew. Wipe the tears from your eyes, then go and walk on through. And yeah, you watch Punk's entrance for that match, he's crying from the get-go. And it's such a heavy moment that is punctuated so strongly by this song choice, Benno. 
oh, like I say, I can I can still picture him getting in that ring, and he's still a pro wrestler, you know. Like he knows the streamers are coming, and he falls to his knees, and the streamers just come flying like the most streams you've ever at that point seen at a Ring of Honor show. That's the cover of the DVD as well, Punk on his knees with those those streamers all all covering him, and yeah, it is just it's it's perfect for the emotion everybody was feeling that night, and yeah, nobody was was feeling it more than him that night. It was again, you know, it might sound silly to some people, you know, if it, it, Punk taking this so seriously and taking the fact that he was such a big part of this company and almost kind of had to leave uh, at this point it was you know it would have been silly for him to turn down the WWE contract at this point as sad as it made us as as Ring of Honor fans but yeah I think we all we all understood as fans and while we all had our kicks booing him through the summer of punk period this kind of was like a a nice big emotional moment that maybe punk got to to share with the fan base and, and and kind of say goodbye in the way he he would, which is through a great choice of music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's quite the choice to come out on your last show to a brand new song because they did play Miseria beforehand, but he could have just come out to that song by itself one last time, and people would have been happy with that. But he came out to Night Train, which is a good song, but you know, compared to Miseria or Cult, doesn't have the the iconic status as a CM Punk theme, but. Punk wanted to say goodbye in his own way, and this is a goodbye song, so there you go, Benno. Definitely. Like I say, at least, you know, I think the beauty of it was, though, that we did before it get the, you know, get AFI Miseria Cantare, we did get to, they played it right the way through, and that was, if anything, that was better than him coming out to it, I think, because the fans got to sing along to the entire song, and it's literally, you know, if you ever, if people haven't seen the show, Punk, the final chapter, it is where, the match isn't great, because, you know, it's just a, it's him and Cole Cabana having an exhibition, if I'm honest, but the moment is great, and part of why that moment's great, I think, is, yeah, rather than it being his entrance, it's it's just played in its entirety, and everyone gets to sing their heart out, and everyone gets to kind of enjoy it one last time, right the way through, so, yeah, kind of, um, gave us both i suppose on the night definitely definitely so punk goes to wwe uh first to ovw where he uses miseria cantare and then to the ecw brand where he becomes one of the brand's new young stars eventually wins the ecw title and the rest is history Uh, his first theme in wwe he had from his ecw debut until his post money in the bank win when he began using cult of personality it's by kill switch engage off of wwe reckless intent the song is this fire burns I know a lot of people have nostalgia for Miseria Cantare, and rightly so, but I have a lot of nostalgia for this song. I love this song a lot. 
Um, like I said earlier, I'm not a huge Screamo fan, but I love the music here. I love the anthemic triumphant chorus, uh, the monotone vocals and the buildup. It just gets me really pumped up. And dare I say this, but between the two WWE themes, this and Cult of Personality, I think I prefer this one. I mean, that might be nostalgia talking, but I don't know, Benno, it's a pretty great song. <laughs> That's interesting, because I suppose as well, he comes out to it, doesn't he, at 2011, at Money in the Bank. Like, it, it kind of feels like he didn't, you know, in, in retrospect, but he did. You know, this was the song that, that, that kind of lit up that arena. I think it's an interesting one for me, because I, I think, like I say, I'm probably more than you attached to the other themes and attached to, to Cult of Personality, but it feels like a song that maybe... I don't know if it was perfect for him from day one, but he kind of made it his own. Does that make sense? It kind of it became a, it became a CM Punk song. It became him um, through time, maybe rather than being something I would have immediately given to him. Well, it wasn't written with him in mind. That's important to remember because True. originally Randy Orton had this theme for like a week or so, <laughs> and you know, thankfully I mean, they changed it back to "Burning My Light" pretty quickly <laughs> because. This doesn't fit Randy at all, I don't think. He wasn't happy, was he, though? Like, I remember reading interviews with him where he wasn't. You, I you know. to keep it, but come on, Randy. You know, this wasn't a song It's for a you. great song, Randy. Come on, <laughs> damn it. Come on, come on. But, but I, I think this is, you know, it's a little too wild and chaotic for someone like Randy, who is, you know, known for being a lot more methodical and smooth. Um, but for Punk, this fits him quite well. You know, musically, it works for him. It fits the ECW brand because it's all metal and aggressive and whatnot. And, you know, lyrically, it's perfect for this stage of Punk's career, too. All I've ever wanted was destiny to be fulfilled. It is in my hands. I must not fail, and I must not fail. This is the proving ground as the heat begins to rise. Turn away from yesterday. Tomorrow's in my eyes. Even through the darkest days, this fire burns. Always. He's no longer a top guy in the indies. Now he's starting over in the big leagues. Now he's this hungry young gun trying to prove himself with this fire burning inside him. So it's not as emotionally rousing as Miseria Cantari is, but I think it still works well for where he is in his career at this point, Benno. Yeah, I can see what you mean. And I, I listen to it and it it mainly brings me back to thinking about his run in WWE ECW, you know, during that period. That's what it you know, kind of maybe brings me to. Um, and yeah, you know, I suppose as yeah, the because that was the thing about, you know, obviously WWE CW was, was kind of shite um, overall. But, <laughs> you know, the one thing they got right was, you know, CM Punk fresh off his indie run, fresh off being like the, the golden boy for Ring of Honor. You know, if you're going to reboot ECW, like if ECW legitimately existed in, in 2006 to 2008, like Punk would be one of the top guys, wouldn't he? You know, he'd be in there with the uh, mixing it up with Rob Van Dam and whoever would be, you know, at the top of ECW. You could imagine him cutting those straight edge promos in ECW. So he was a good fit, I think, for the brand, even if the brand was kind of tarnished. And yeah, it kind of works as like the, you know, the premier babyface theme, you know, for an ECW. It's a kind of ECW sound and theme in that way too so maybe that's why my my brain immediately goes to that whenever whenever i hear this song but it is you know as you know i'm not a kill switch engaged fan but it is as a song a very good song isn't it you know it's uh it's one that i'm actually you know surprised that wwe picked up i suppose you know maybe they paid the money for it because it was going to be for randy i don't think at this point in his career they would have paid that money for uh for cm punk to use it but yeah he got a he got a he got randy's leftovers and and ran with it and like you said did a better job with it than i think randy ever would have 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm not a big Kill Switch Engage fan either, uh, but this song does get me. And yeah, I mean, finding the right song for punk was so important because it was clear people liked him from the jump. I mean, you go back to Survivor Series 06, and he's on Team DX getting these massive CM Punk chants, and he's only been there for like a few months. So having this kick-ass theme was important for him in those early days for sure. And later on when he changed it up to Cult of Personality after Money in the Bank, uh, that was the right call too, I think. Yeah, that's it. And I think I think the other thing that goes in its favor is the fact that it's it's a song by a legitimate band, isn't it? You know, it's not a WWE creator theme being handed to him, which would not have, you know, they got a lot of things wrong with CM Punk in those first few middling years, I think. But giving him something like this, yeah, it was the kind of legitimacy that a CM Punk would have. You know, maybe it wouldn't have been his first choice as a song, but it would, you know, certainly be on one of his mixtapes, you know, you'd imagine. So it kind of, you know, gave that little bit of credibility rather than, you know, giving him, yeah, some kind of down, you know, downstate sounding song or, you know, something, uh, something a bit more, you know, typical WWE for the period. Yeah. I mean, I know Jim Johnston was involved in the process because that was his job, of course, but he wasn't singing or playing guitar here. This was, you know, Killswitch Engage doing it themselves so yeah a cool little touch there for sure all right well those were the themes of cm punk Uh, lots of metal lots of screaming a dash of emo here and there uh it's not all my cup of tea but you know miseria cantare cult of personality this fire burns even night train those are some tremendous themes benno Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's that's why I was, you know, so much wanting to to do this show. It's those themes, you know, particularly like say, Vizera Cantare is the one for me. Maybe for me, the greatest wrestling theme of all time. I think it's it. it if not it, it's it's one of them. Um, and yeah, you would, you know, it's not a other than obviously the indie songs that are uh, there's a long list of of different stuff that are used but as far as you know the memorable stuff and the the stuff that sticks out and the stuff that you know when you hear it you think of cm punk you know i hear cult of personality i think of cm punk i think of night train by the bouncing souls at this point i think of cm punk uh i think you know i hear afi i think of cm punk like for for his for his major songs there, I think it's it's all hits and no misses really. Um, and that goes. He, CM Punk's a a man who, like we said earlier, you know, he's a, a man of principle. He's a man of you know, who walks by the beat of his own drum. But he's also you know clearly someone who music's a a huge part of his life. So you'd expect him you know to to have those strong songs and have songs that that fit for him. And yeah, I think he's got a a list to be proud of there. Um, as far as his career goes, a career that yeah, let's hope Andrew, it's uh, it's not quite over yet Mm -hmm. yeah he's just a very creative guy all around in all sorts of manners that's for sure um and i guess you know wrapping it up here where where i stand on punk now it's not cut and dry you know because there have been times like with the wwe lawsuit where i was firmly on his side and there have been times like with the colt cabana lawsuit and him doing the fox show where i wasn't really and We've said all show long about how he does whatever he wants to do. And, you know, as tricky as that can be sometimes, it does make him interesting. You know, say what you will about Punk, he's not boring. He's a very interesting guy. And he's been that way his entire career. And, you know, if he came back to wrestling tomorrow, would I be excited? Of course, it's CM Punk. Would I be as excited as if it was, you know, 2015, 2016? I don't know about that. But... I'd watch him regardless because it's CM Punk, right? And if anyone can make me interested in watching him wrestle, it's him, Benno. 
Oh, definitely. Yeah, he's one of those people who's got, you know, call it the X Factor, call it star quality, star power, whatever you want to call it, that he's got that, hasn't he? And yeah, you know, some of that comes, uh, you know, his personality traits come at the, the cost of his personal life. You mentioned the, the Cole Cabana thing. You mentioned just, you know, making bad decisions like doing that WWE Fox show. And, you know, at a time when we, we all, you know, I, I, I still hold the candle for the fact that he, he might well do AEW one day, but it'd be the most CM Punk in the, thing in the world, wouldn't it, to not do that um, and, you know, do his own thing. And if he came back to wrestling, you know, do something completely different. But, you know, for whatever it's worth, even if yeah, don't agree with it. every decision he's ever ever made, or you know, obviously you hear some negative stories about like some of his friendships and and ex friendships. There's there is just something about CM Punk, the man, that makes me want to watch what he's gonna do next. Like we joked about earlier, Andrew, you know, watch two F two UFC fights for the sake of him. You know, so <laughs> he, he can talk. He could probably talk me into watching and and supporting him doing anything at that point if I was willing to do that. But yeah, like I say, it's uh, I, I just hope it's not truly over and yeah we we do get you know him, to, him coming back i'd love aw be the perfect landing spot for him i think it, it it's got that indie spirit that i think i think cm punk has still got in him somewhere it's just dependent on yeah cm punk the man cm punk the ego cm punk the uh you know the divisive figure whether something like that can ever truly come to fruition but hey we've always got our hope mate. Mm-hmm. yeah and it's a place where he'd be allowed to talk too because AEW is a talker's promotion. You know, Mox, Kingston, Jericho, Cody, MJF, Ricky Starks, Taz, Britt Baker. If you can talk, you'll thrive. And CM Punk can talk his ass off, that's for sure. So we'll see what happens, Benno. You know, time will tell. (laughs) For sure. All right, well, that's going to do it for this episode of Music of the Mat. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, Benno, thank you so much for being here again. Uh, You were indeed the right man for the job here because... This was just so much fun talking about punk, his music, his career, all that stuff. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you, man. I hopefully, hopefully, I've done the other uh, CM Punk fans uh, proud on this <laughs> one. It's uh, like I say, subject near and dear to my heart. Love the podcast. Made up to be on it again, mate. So thank you so much for asking me on. Oh, absolutely, of course, of course. Um, any plugs you want to give? Go right ahead. Awesome. Yeah, just mentioned, yep, yeah, uh, like you said at the top, a uh, host of uh, Grapple Spotlight, if uh, people haven't heard it. We, uh, we're the, uh, the big bean-eating fucks, according to one Joe Lanza. So I don't know if that's a, that's, a, that's a reason to listen to us or not, but I think I think it's meant with love. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, do, a, we do a show every uh, every Monday where we uh, we, uh, we try and uh, cover everything ourselves uh, as far as the uh, the wrestling whale goes and do it in kind of our, our own uh, our own more British uh, way, maybe, than the, uh, the Voices flagship. Uh, so, yeah, you can hear that. That, uh, hear that every every Monday night. Just search Grapple wherever uh, podcasts are sold. And yeah, as you mentioned earlier, uh, post wrestling over there, I do the uh, the British wrestling experience where yeah we do somehow find uh, British wrestling topics to talk about once a month. Um, although it has been a struggle this uh, this last uh, six months or so, but yeah, there's always something going up, going on over there too. So yeah, you can find that and you can follow me on Twitter at Benson Richardy. And uh, an early happy birthday, by the way. Ah, oh, thank you, man. I got a you know that that. I, I'm sure you're not going to be insulted, mate, when I say it's that's the second best birthday greeting I've had today. <laughs> I, I know what it is. So, yes, I did get a cameo from Kevin Nash, so you know that 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 was that was good too. But no, I'll, I'll take yours, mate. Number two on the list, not too. Bad. Oh, th- thank you so much. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, I mean, Kevin Nash, number one in all of our hearts for many reasons. I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, definitely, definitely. Just think of it, mate. He, he's the uh, he's the uh, Miziera Cantera, and you're the cult of personality. You know, it's one and two. It's a close one and two. I'll though. take it. I, I'll take it. Yes, thank you so much. <laughs> And uh, Music of the Mat is, of course, part of the Voices of Wrestling podcast network. 
You can find all the great podcasts on there at VoicesOfWrestling.com. Follow the show on Twitter at MusicOfTheMat. Follow me on Twitter at Andrew T. Rich. If you want to discuss this episode or other topics, you can do so at the VOW Discord. That's VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Discord. If you want to donate to the show, you can do that. Just go to VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Donate and click the big Donate button beneath the name Music of the Mat. If you donate, hey, thanks so much. You're awesome. Rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many other places. And of course, Manscaped.com. Use the code MOTM for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, Benno, thank you again, and I'll see you around. Awesome. See you soon, man. All right, for Benno, I'm Andrew Rich, and I'll see you next time on Music of the Mat. Take care, guys. Music of the Mat is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. The songs used throughout this show are property of their respective copyright holders.